Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. What I wanted to talk about today is is influencing the hearts of our children like the Father does. God, I mean, think about this. God made a planet for two people. And he said, have at it. Be fruitful and multiply. And what did they do? They introduced sin and death right off the bat. Well, we're not actually sure. I've actually read some theologians think that they could have been there hundreds, maybe even thousands of years before they sinned. Because if, because if, the, if they didn't start to age or if they didn't start to experience death in their bodies and sin was not yet in the world, then the, the earth and the planet might not yet have started to experience entropy or death. And so they, they may have been there for thousands of years before it happened, before they stepped away. Now, I don't know that. It's interesting to think about, but, it, but it's not like, you know, day six, here, here's man and woman, and then day 12, Here's sin, you know. It could have been that. I don't know. We don't know. But there seems to be some indication that there was a lot of time there. But God, being a parent, gave his kids freedom, messed it up. But you see, you know, that's the story of God. The the Bible is the story of God being faithful to his family. It's what it is. There's a lot to be said about the Old Covenant and how the arrangement, they themselves changed it, how they wanted him to relate to them. But when you look to the Old Covenant, if you ever get confused, read it from the perspective of a rebellious family that God remained faithful to and still walked with them to get them to where we are now so that God could not just dwell among us but be in us and lead us from the inside. And it's what God is trying to do. He's trying to influence us inwardly. He gives us freedom. And, and that's, that's the hardest part about being a parent as well. Because you can't, you ever, have you figured out you can't control your kids? It'd be a lot easier. Well, maybe not. What would be easier is if they just, you know, they just did everything you said. But maybe, you know what, maybe, maybe, but maybe you don't know everything to tell them. And all the teenagers said, amen. All right, let's get into this here. So last week we were talking about the idea of the heart, mankind. Would you put that uh, Thessalonians passage up? We talked about just this idea of us being spiritual beings, and this is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may... And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. So just the idea that we are spirit, soul, and body. Now, I kind of want to approach this from the perspective of how to influence the hearts of our children. Because it's also how to influence the hearts of the world and you know, our nations and whatever it is. It's getting to the heart. Because people make decisions based out of how they identify themselves. And what we, what we want, especially Christians, what we want to 
teach people to do is identify yourself based on who you are in spirit. Oftentimes, people don't know who they are in spirit. They still think that they have this dual nature, that we're part sinner and part spirit by nature. Now, but you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a perfect, sanctified, holy, pure, righteous, spiritual being that sometimes commits acts of sin. But that act of sin does not define your nature. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who you are in spirit. And so then um, the next verse there. Oh, did it come up? Yeah, so, so here's, here's where we want to go today. And this is, again, these are the last pat from, from last week as well. For God who said, let, shi- let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So just, just leave it on that one just for a minute. That's a mouthful. I don't know if you thought about How many of you went back and read that this week? I'm not preaching these sermons for my health. That's a dad statement, isn't it? I ain't your daddy, by the way. Anyway, huh? You listen to it? Yeah. Uh, th- all right, so this thing about this. God made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light. So his light shines in our hearts. Get this picture. To give us the light or the revelation you could say, of the knowledge of the glory of God that's in the face of Jesus Christ. So ultimately, you back this all the way out, you diagram this sentence, what we're talking about is the glory of God that's in the face of Jesus Christ, the face of Him, the image of Him, who He is, that we are being conformed and shaped into also. And this is, this is the process that we're in, is we are, we are being shaped and molded outwardly so that our outward being matches our inward being, so that the Christ in us is not just contained in this earthen vessel, these jars of clay, but it then also begins to affect every aspect of your being. And we talk about this all the time, and I'll never stop talking about it because it is the fundamental thing is that you understand who you are, understand who God is, know who you, what Jesus accomplished on your behalf and the effects that it should be seeing, it should uh, uh, bring about in your life. We have people, people talk about, you know, I want to see the power. I want to see miracles. Well, you want to see the miracles, then experience the glory of God shining from the face of Jesus in your own heart and you will walk in the power. You want to figure out how to make massive amounts of money so that you can bless the kingdom? Look into the brightly shining, glorious face of Christ that is being shed abroad in your own heart and it will shape you and mold you. This is the the deception of performance-centered religion is that we get all this stuff worked out externally 
as if we can legislate righteousness or if we take over these facets of culture, then we can rule over those facets. It's, it's, the, it's the sons of thunder mindset that most of the church has. It's the God, when are you going, or Jesus, when are you going to overthrow Rome so that we Jews can, can rule again? Or finally, you know, not again, but finally. All right, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the concept of controlling the external world into the form that we think it should be, and then we can step into that form and then live out what God wants. And that's not the way it works. The way it works is you experience the kingdom in you, and then it affects the world around you. And it's through sowing and reaping rather than ruling and reigning. Now, you do rule and reign. We do rule and reign in life. But what we want to do is experience inward transformation and live it outwardly. And you trust the Spirit to bring you into places so that what's happening in you affects that. Now, there is external change that then needs to happen. Are you with me? So I want to, and I want to, you can go ahead and put up that graphic, the heart graphic. This, I had some conversations with some people. Now, there's a lot going on in this. How many of you have not seen this image? Okay, so there's, there's a lot of people, yeah. So uh, this is something that I'll teach on regularly. I got this, the model of this idea from Jim Richards when I was in ministry school in Huntsville at Impact Ministries. And he teaches a lot on the heart. So th this graphic is related to a series that I have called Living from the Heart. Um, you can find that on my website. If you don't have the money to get it, send me an email. We'll send you the link. Um, but... This, this idea, now, you can't relegate humans down to circles and symbols. This is just a symbol, okay? So if you look at this and you think of a scripture and you're like, well, that part's not right, just let go of that and just kind of look at it as an expression of, I'm trying to understand here, because, again, we're talking about influence in the hearts of our children, but also we have the responsibility to influence our own hearts and the only real way we're going to make any kind of difference in culture and life is by getting to the hearts of people. Again, even if, I mean, I mean, Israel was given perfect laws and commandments. Had they lived them out, their lives would have been completely blessed and perfect, but they couldn't keep it. What needed to happen is that they changed that heart level. They changed at that inner being. They changed at that inner man so that they naturally desired what God wanted them to do rather than were contrary to it and tried to perform their way into obedience. You can't obey God unless you want to. And you can shape your want to, otherwise known as your desires. Like, you, you, you ha, don't raise your hand, but how many of you still struggle sometimes with the same kinds of sins that you've been struggling with for 10, 20, 30 years? Don't raise your hand. But ask, answer, answer that in your own mind and your own heart. I'm still struggling with that. Why? I know that I'm righteous. I know that I'm delivered from that. I know that God's not holding it against me. But, man, I can't get away from it. It's because... On the inside of you, you still think 
that you are the person that gets gratification out of whatever that might be, whether it be the emotional outbursts or mishandling of money or even down into the perverted sexual stuff, by the way. Speaking of perverted sexual stuff, I went to the Disneyland, adult Disneyland of the Vintage Motorcycle Museum in Birmingham. It's like Disneyland for adults without the perverts. I'll let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> I said that for a reason. Be because perverts are perverts, not just because they want to be a pervert, but they see themselves that way, inwardly. They may hate it, but inwardly, they get something out of it. I mean, I mean it, it, and I've sat with a lot of people who've done some weird stuff. Let me just tell you, I've heard some weird things throughout the years. I mean, stuff that I dare not repeat. Y'all think I'm pushed the line while I'm preaching. Listen, I'm telling you. And y'all have too, I'm sure. Uh, and you look at them and you think, how could you ever do something like that? You're thinking that. You're thinking, how in the world can a human get so twisted inwardly that that, that does something for you? And, and, and a lot of what people are doing and displaying and experiencing it's not just because they want to do it. Something happened to them. You know, something is ingrained within them. There's this, I'm, I'm, I've kind of studied out this epigenetic concept of, of, of beliefs that shape our genetics. There's something inside people. So in other words, there is a genetic element of people have certain propensities. But greater than that is the beliefs that we carry. Oftentimes, the beliefs that we have about ourselves are not just related to your genetics. So in other words, because I've had this conversation with people, and if you're hearing me and you're hearing me, a lot of people will use uh, either generational curses or it's in my DNA because my father did this and his grandfather did this, and so I'm just, I got to really fight against it. No, you don't. You've learned to think the way that your father and your grandfather, you've learned to behave because that's the model and there may be a genetic element, but now what science is understanding is that your beliefs affect how your DNA manifests itself. So like in your genetics, things are turned on and turned off based on your attitude, your choices, and your beliefs. Your beliefs have more hereditary effect on you in regard to your lifestyle than your DNA does. Now, I'm not talking about hair color, eye color, body type, stuff like that. That's, that's hardwired. But outward displays, the emotional choices that we make, it's beliefs. How do you affect that stuff? Well, we know that beliefs are a capacity of the heart. It's what the heart man believes unto righteousness. So, so then you kind of dive into this. And, and again, I've got a 10-part series on this. I'm not going to pretend to unpack all of this today. And I know I've jumped all over the place today, uh, and I'm, you know, just trying to bring it together, but in terms of influencing the hearts of your children, influencing your own heart, and influencing the hearts of culture, you have to understand you're dealing with something deeper than people's own uh, conscious level thoughts, choices, and behaviors. When you're dealing with people, you're dealing with a deeper 
deeper-seated issues of self-image, what people believe about God, and, you know, the, 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 the result of the choices that they made over and over in their entire lives. So if you want to experience any kind of real change in your life, it's not just information. You know, like Jesus told the, told the Pharisees, you guys search the scriptures, but it's me you're looking for. You don't, you don't understand the, the, this Christ in you perspective. So let's just kind of run through this super quick because um, there's some people that are just listening and, and I know that there's, the words are small so you can't all read it. You got, you got circles here, spirit, soul, and body. And then connecting the spirit and the soul is the heart. And I think that's where you think spiritually. You know, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. So over here between your soul and your body is your brain. Or that's where carnal or just natural thinking takes place. A lot of Christians are purely carnal. And carnal doesn't mean evil. It just means natural. A lot of Christians, they judge everything according to the natural. It's like an A plus B equals C type thing. Where with God, it's like kind of the difference between Newtonian physics and quantum physics. I know that makes sense to everybody. <laughs> you know, Newtonian physics is cause and effect. Quantum physics is the observer affects matter uh, to, op to be one thing or another. So it's like this realm of impossibility or this realm of one plus two doesn't necessarily equal three. And there's a there seems to be a different set of physics at a smaller level. And so when we understand the things of the spirit, it's not logical. It's not logical uh, to think spiritually. It, in fact, a, a lot of times it's counterintuitive according to the natural mind. So when we think we want to shape our kids' lives, we think, let me teach them the right thing to do. And they do need to be taught in their minds basic pure information. This is right. This is wrong. We do need to teach that, but really what we need to do is learn how to follow the Spirit of God through conversations to get down into, well, what's the feeling underlying why you're displaying these behaviors? And you don't get to have this conversation with a lot of people because they're not going to tell you the trauma that they went through. They're not going to tell you, uh, you know, what they're parents or their grandparents or some uncle did to them. You don't, you don't get to know a lot of that information, but what you can know is if someone is displaying some type of odd, strange, regular behavior, don't just, inst the charismatic world is too quick to blame stuff on the devil. The enemy, so if you get this picture here, the body being open to the external world, you have these five senses taking in information from the created external world. But you have internal spiritual senses as well. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Turn the eyes of your heart to him. The, shed of, the, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. You know? We are in this internal relationship with God. If we want to influence the hearts of our children, help them understand who they are in Christ. How many of you have ever been frustrated with your kids' behavior? And, and, you, and you're like, you tell them, if you would just, you, got, you need four arms over there. <laughs> if you would just, you know, you, and you've caught yourself, if you would just do this, it would be so much easier. Have you ever said that? 
if you would just do this, or if you would just not do that, it would be so much easier for you. Well, why are they doing that? I mean, sometimes it's just plain old rebellion, you know. But it's because inside they have this image of themselves that they drive this, that, that drives the behavior. There's insecurities in there. There's trauma still lingering around in there that they haven't dealt with. But the solution to every, pro, every personal problem you have is getting down into your heart, getting down into that deep level and reframing who you think that you are so that it matches who you are in your spirit, who you are in Christ. In spirit, and there's a few words in here, you are one with God, hidden with Christ. That's where eternal life lives. You are eternal. That's where you are redeemed, righteous, sanctified, purified, perfect, and holy. And so your heart, this kind of part spiritual, part soulish part of you, which by the way, the heart is what God gives you a new one. You know, it's so, it's so, the heart is so important that the, one of the things that God does is when you get born again is he gives you a new heart. This internal guidance system. This, and, and really you can just think of it as a nature. The kind of being that you are, he changes at the most fundamental root level. And this is what we're not taught to do. This is not, we're not taught to deal with this. We're taught to deal with our thought. Now, here, here's part of the problem. Most of us will not let ourselves pass through our logical carnal thinking or our, so in the soul, you've got your mind, emotions, will, conscience, and the soul is seeking understanding and the soul is looking for evidence. Your heart's looking for evidence also, but which evidence are you pulling from? Are you pulling from carnal world or are you pulling from the spiritual world, who you are in spirit? Most people will not let their thinking wade through their emotions and their feelings to get down into their heart to then draw on the life and the spirit of God. And it looks like this. Uh, you're going to sleep or you're waking up or you got some alone time and you can't stand your thoughts. It's hard for you to just sit in silence for a minute, much less 15, 20 minutes. And I'm, there's no condemnation here. And, and a lot, and the, you know, I'm not so sure these smartphones are very smart for us. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I do have the question. How many of you have trouble with silence? It's difficult because of what you start thinking about, what you start feeling. And unfortunately, if your initial repetitive feelings and emotions are anchored in what's happened in your body or in the world as it relates to trauma or failure or something out in the world. I mean, I'm just seeing this picture of somebody sitting and there's these emotions going on and they're more driven by what's happened in the world than what's happened in their spirit. Are, are you seeing that? And, 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 when, and if, you, if you sit in silence and your predominant emotions, thoughts, and feelings are more anchored in something that's happened in the world, then in that area, whatever it is that your thoughts are drawn into, 
That's who you think that you are. And the secret to peace, the secret to peace is to reprogram those natural responses so that your emotions, your thoughts, and your deeper feelings are more driven by who you are in your spirit. Now, that's how you conquer depression. That's how you conquer anxiety. That is how you conquer sin. That is how you conquer fear, perversion, dependence on your job for money and provision. Like if you sit down and you start to think about your finances and your thoughts are all anchored in your job and how much you earn and what your 401k is doing or not doing, don't look at it right now. Are you with me? If, if you sit down and you, let's just use money. If you think about money and your thoughts are totally consumed with your earning potential, that will kill you. It will lead you to death. You must also and first think about things like God is my provider. God cares about me. He will provide for me exceedingly, abundantly above all that I can ask or imagine according to the power that works in me. You know, when it comes to health or healing, if all you think about is what time your next doctor's appointment is, is this medication counteracting with this medication, the doctor said this, and it made me feel this. I mean, I know people that have had diagnoses, and they, they could not get past the fear, and they die. How do you overcome that stuff? You got to wade through. You got to let yourself feel those feelings. You know, it's kind of, it's almost like an exposure therapy type of thing. You know what exposure is? Like if you're afraid of spiders, go into a closet with spiders until you're not afraid of them anymore. Might be a bunch of dead spiders around there, but you know, I know that's like that's may not be the bad. I might I just lost half of you. <laughs> you 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 have to engage in exposure therapy in your emotions to face them and get through them, so that you then begin to draw spiritual truths, so that you feel those as true as whatever emotions you're feeling associated with the world until the emotions that are associated with who you are in Christ are actually bigger than the other ones. It, it doesn't make sense, but it will lead you to peace, life and peace. And there's some type of energetic aspect of your beliefs of your heart affecting the world around you. And then you couple in like praying in tongues, praying with the Spirit, where you're giving voice to the will of God in your life. And then things happen that just you're, you could never logically figure out. But if you want to learn how to shape the hearts of your children and the, the hearts of the culture, you got to learn how to shape and influence your own heart. The church isn't taught this. 
the church is mostly anchored in outward obedience and behavior modification. Because this is considered psychobabble in a lot of places. I've taught some of this stuff and got emails from parents. Well, you teach that psychobabble. You just teach obedience. And I'm like, okay. What we really want is to obey God from the heart. Yes. I, 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 there's so much to go into, really. Um, and, and so I know I'm, I'm looking at Will, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, Will uh, did this thing at Equip a few weeks ago and has, has kind of a meditation protocol that's really anchored in doing exactly what I'm describing, and he's kind of offered himself to meet with one or two people at a time and kind of walk through these in like four-week cycles, right? Like say four weeks in a row, once a week. I'll just say if you're interested in engaging in this process, and it might take a while because you might get a little bit booked up, and thank you for offering yourself. And it'll be here probably before or after church just to make it simple. But you got to commit to all four weeks. You can't just say, well, I'll come to two and I can't make the next one. Don't do that. Don't do that to him and don't do that to yourself. Uh, but but it, it, it is the process of transformation. If you, if you have some areas that you need to experience transformation, this is how you do it. It being getting down to that place of mind renewal where you're not driven by your carnal identity. You're not driven by your temporary flesh. You're not driven by the circumstances of the world. You're not driven by your trauma. You're not driven by loss, lack, fear. You, you, you go through that stuff so that it has no more power over you. And you get to the point where in any situation, now, now this doesn't mean that everything's going to perfectly work out for you and you're never going to have trouble again. It just means that no matter what you face in life, it does not shake you. Your faith is anchored in who you are in Christ. It's anchored in the promises of God, no matter what happens externally. Here's what it looks like. It looks like the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that were captured and brought before King Nebuchadnezzar, and, and Nebuchadnezzar was throwing people in the fire that wouldn't bow down. They won't bow down. He stokes up the fire twice as hot. And here's their attitude. Our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. You got to be able to say that in light of fear, depression, anxiety, whatever sin habit you're struggling with over and over and over and over and over. I'm telling you, man, you, you listen to me, you can be free from sin. It's hard to believe. I get it. Some people, it's hard to believe. You can be free from sin. These habits that you have, that you just feel like, well, I've got it under control, you can be free from it. How do you get free from it? You got to go through it. You got to get down into the... Here's one of the greatest ways. Y'all with me? Here's one of the greatest ways to conquer sin. Whatever it might be, when the opportunity comes, you figure out some way to push the pause button. 
if it's a behavior, if it's a choice, even if it's an acting out, a lot of people's sins, sin behave, habits are impulsive. So you, you almost, you know, if you can, you almost, and this sounds weird, I know, but you almost arrange yourself to be in a position where you're going to be tempted. And I'm not saying you do something foolish. I'm just saying, let me say it this way. You recognize your moments of temptation. You, you, you identify your triggers. You identify the situations and the scenarios where you tend to fall. And you recognize them and you know when they're coming and you get ready for them. Are you with me? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And so when you're, hap- when you're going to be in the situation where you tend to fall, get ready for it. Know that it's coming. You can do some exercises, and this is the kind of stuff that we'll walk you through too, and, and we'll probably do more of this stuff in Equip nights. I've actually thought about in the fall doing another Wednesday night monthly where we just address mind renewal stuff and we talk about How many of you would be interested in that? Yeah, like a, like a just, just mind renewal night monthly where we walk through these types of things and you learn how to do it with other people. But so conquering sin, you see it coming because a lot of us just fall into it and then afterwards you look back, ah, I did it again or I had that outburst or whatever it might be. But if you see it coming, you got to push the pause button for at least just a few seconds and put some type of speed bump, some type of barrier there so that when it's coming, you then face it. And whatever the emotion, and, and, and do this, recognize what am I thinking? What am I feeling about myself right now? What is it that's driving this desire right now? What is it that, that I believe about myself? What do I believe about God in this moment? And, and you gotta sit and sometimes this, you know, you're wanting to burst out in rage. You're wanting to do whatever it might be. You got to sit and you face it. You let, the emo- you let the emotions associated with the temptation run their course because the emotions will leave your body after just a few seconds, maybe a minute. If you can hold that pause button, face it, not thinking uh, in a minute, you know, because it's like fasting. A lot of us fast for three days, and all you're doing is planning when you're going to eat that chocolate cake, you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't do that when you're seeking to conquer sin. Because if, a, lot, a lot of what we deal with, the failures that we deal with, it's emotionally driven. And if you can sit in the face of that emotion, feeling everything in you would naturally go this direction, and you can just push the pause button on it just a moment, and as you push the pause button on it, and your physical being and your thoughts are doing what they normally do. But then you take the eyes of your heart and you turn them inwardly to look to the face of Christ in your heart, that glory that's shining, and you begin to say, what does a person that does not struggle with this feel? I wonder, do you you know how to not give in to emotions. I don't feel like God's doing some surgery here. Like, do you know how to just stop, set aside that emotion, let it run its course, and then recalibrate according to how you want to feel in that situation? Did you know that you can do that? Is this making sense? Is this help? Is this helpful at all? I mean, we do it with insecurities. 
Uh, gosh, we're so emotionally driven. And it's not a bad, God gave us emotions. You know, in a perfect world, your emotions always should serve the will of God. You know, it should feel good to serve God. It should be incredibly rewarding and gratifying and satisfying to obey God. And it does. But, but our, our physical being, our carnal being is so programmed by the world. It's why we struggle with anything. Because we just run these patterns. We run these neurological patterns. And the church doesn't deal with it. I feel like this is super basic and elementary, but I feel like there's some people right now, you're feeling a sense of, how many of you feel empowerment? You'd describe, what I'm feeling right now is there's some empowerment here, yeah. Like there's some courage here. Some of you have some health issues you need to deal with. And you're, what you eat is driven by emotion. You can deal with that. If you see it coming, you know, you know when you like to eat, identify your food habits and your food choices and pay attention. I, I, I know, I'm touching one now. <laughs> there are donuts out there. Yes, there are donuts. And I'm eating one as soon as I'm done. Maybe two. You know, we, we just got—we got to know ourselves. You, you, we just got to be masters of our own minds, masters over our own hearts and thoughts and emotions. And I don't, I don't mean the grind of self-control. You know, self-control is a fruit of the spirit. You cannot control yourself. It's a fruit of the spirit. But how? Do you let yourself be empowered by the Spirit? And I think it's reflected in, in this image. Grace is shed abroad in your heart. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. The light and the life of God is shed abroad. Your heart being that deepest part of you that's programmed to make choices without even thinking about it. The stuff that you do before you think about it. You know what I mean? You can reprogram all that stuff. You can rewrite all that stuff inwardly. And it's not, I mean, you know, counseling can help and all that and inner healing, inner healing done from a new covenant perspective. But just, just, just knowing that you can choose different emotions. You can let the emotions that you're experiencing, because, you know, an emotion is just a physiological phenomenon in your body. Like what you feel is related to neurochemicals being produced in your brain and in your body and they run their course, right? It's just, a, it's just an emotion. It's just a feeling. But what if your natural feelings and emotions were in alignment with whatever it feels like to obey God in that area? The, the, the more you make that choice to obey God in that area, 
the more it trains your body to continue to make that choice. And here's the, here's the beauty. The Spirit is always supplying obedience. The Spirit always desires obedience. The Spirit only desires obedience. And in your mind, you want to follow. You tell yourself, I want to follow. And so here's how messed up the church is. The church prays, God, change me. He's like, I did. I put my spirit in you. I gave you a new heart. That heart hears and knows how to follow me. I've given you the spirit unto life. I've given you these gifts that you can walk in. I'm trying to bear my fruit in you. When are you going to let my spirit do what it was designed to do on the inside of you? That's your responsibility. You are not victims of the will of God. This feels more like a Wednesday night equip type thing where we kind of dance with the spirit a little bit. But but I, but I, I you know I want to I want I want these I want to I want to give you something useful and helpful. Are you with me? You don't have to stay stuck. You sh- you can always have hope. Hope is the confident expectation of good things. Confident expectation of good things. So maybe that's a tool for you that you can put into practice this week. Practice, just just practice this. Just practice being aware of how you're feeling. Just at any moment, you know, maybe maybe set your phone alarm three or four times throughout the day. When, when it's appropriate for you to have a few minutes to stop and just stop and just notice. What am I feeling? What do I feel? Just what do I feel right now? So that you start to learn yourself. Oftentimes people feel anxious, afraid, confused, too busy to even think about it. And then ask yourself, is this consistent with who I am in Christ? How do I, what, do I, what am I feeling? Is it consistent with who I am in Christ? And then sit there long enough to where you start to have a little bit of hope that you feel and have the emotions associated with who you are in Christ. You know, sometimes it just starts there. Are you with me? And then you go into the deeper stuff of actually conquering and overcoming those issues, those deep-seated issues. It's, It's just how you experience transformation. Now, I'm not trying to remove God out of this, right? I'm really not. Because he's active and involved in all of it the entire time. And oftentimes, just, just this is my last point. Oftentimes what will happen is if you're willing to engage in this process to, to, to let his spirit in you conform you to the image of Christ in whatever area you're struggling, oftentimes... Just the fact that you're willing to take responsibility to feed on the Spirit to experience transformation, man, revelation will happen like that. And you'll see it. And then all of a sudden, there's this tipping point. It's not a grind that you change yourself. What you're trying to do is clear out all the junk that's causing you 
to not see God clearly. But as soon as you see God clearly in that area, as it relates to you, man, transformation happens like that. And it's not anything that you've controlled or worked your way into. It's just, you're just clearing all the junk out of the way until it's like you finally see. Oh, and then you own it and you have that victory forever. Amen? Did you get something out of this? I know I danced around and different than normal. You guys, uh, prayer team, come on up if you would. You know, if you've got some things that you're struggling with and you want help with or, you know, I, I'm going to kind of do a broad call today. Maybe you got broken relationships, you know, you'd love to reconnect with your dad. Or maybe your dad's not here anymore and there's just still some of these unresolved issues. And you just, you know, you just want somebody to pray with you. Or, you know, I've had a lot of talk about the baptism of the Spirit with people lately. And I've got a lot of teachings. I've actually taught on it a lot. I, I, if you're born again, you have the Spirit of God inside of you, 100%. You lack nothing. But there is the experience of yielding to the Spirit and the Spirit, you know, kind of like we talk, kind of sinking back into the Spirit and letting yourself be influenced and filled with the Spirit. Really what I'm talking about is you know, this, this process of letting your emotions run their course and then you feed on the Spirit until it shapes you inwardly, that is an expression of the baptism of the Spirit. That is being filled with the Spirit or being under the influence of the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is twofold. You experience the fruits and the gifts. Unfortunately, charismatic churches have put the baptism or being filled with the Spirit all the way down into one gift of speaking in tongues. That is just one facet of it. For you to experience the fruit of the Spirit unto transformation is for you to experience the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And I'm not trying to redefine everything. I'm just trying to pull it out of the religious boxes to show you that the Spirit of God is alive and active. And the gift of tongues is available. Because when you don't know how you should pray, the Spirit of God will teach you how to pray. And it's an act of faith. And I get it. Denominationalism scares you to death about that gift. So I understand. And I'm not trying to say there's something wrong with you if you don't engage in it. But if you want to, always at any time, at the end of our services, I want to make that available. And I'm going to be getting with the prayer team. And we're going to walk through. We, these guys already know how to do it, but I, you know, I'm, I just want to always touch that base of making it available from the finished work perspective <laughs> so that we help people yield to the power of the Holy Spirit within them, right? So let's stand up and let's just put our attention on the Lord. Father, we thank you. Father, I thank you that in that... <laughs> plethora of ideas and, and bouncing around that you, you uh, make it make sense in the hearts of people. You, you're giving people revelation and showing them, okay, this, this is helpful to me and I have hope for transformation. That's what I want you to walk out of here with is hope to experience transformation, to experience the fruits of the Spirit inwardly so that you walk naturally in the gifts of the Spirit outwardly toward others a powerful body. God, may we be a powerful body that is transformed inwardly 
and walking in your power outwardly. The two go hand in hand. From a, from a healthy balance of church, you can't have... Lord, I'm, I'm tired of seeing people that have low character, but they go after the gifts, walk in the power. That shouldn't be. We should walk in extreme character, also walking in your power. And Father, we thank you. You didn't just leave us. You didn't just open the door to heaven and say, I'll see you later. You actually are here with us, walking with us. So Father, I thank you that you're moving in this place right now. You're bringing light and revelation to the hearts and the minds of the people. You're touching our physical bodies so that healing manifests. You're giving us ideas of how to handle our finances, business ideas, ideas to touch to reach into our relationships and shape the world around us. Father, ideas of even bigger picture things, of our jobs and, and culture at large, God. We trust you. Just tell him, I yield to you. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're with me. If you're listening or watching, watching and you're not sure you're saved, you believe that God sent Jesus for you. You believe that he raised him from the dead for you. And you say, yes, Lord, I trust you. You are my righteousness. And I want to fully yield to your spirit. And I, don't, I just have this, I don't want to end. I just have this real deep sense of I want, to, I want you to walk out of here today aware that the Holy Spirit is with you, doing life with you. Amen.